Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Bees Analytica podcast. This week we're joined by special guest David Anderson, who is also on Twitter. He's featured heavily for Besotted and helps out and about with Bees Tactical. It's great to have you aboard, Dave. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I feel, um, feel privileged coming on your show. I've listened to the first couple and enjoyed it. Been good stuff. We're also joined by our usual guest, Alfie, who will be filling in for usual this week. So, on the first topic of discussion, we thought we'd mix it up a little bit for topics-wise. We're going to have a bit of a tactics talk or something I want to call scenario soccer, depending on what side of the pond you're from. So, situation one then, Alf, we'll open the floor to you. You're Reading coming in on Tuesday night, you're 1-0 up against Rotherham, but you've been poor. You've had one shot, the midfield was being overrun severely, the central striker was heavily isolated, putting you under a lot of pressure with Rotherham dominating the ball. What sort of things would you do if you were Paunovic at half-time to try and get a foothold in the game? I mean, first of all, I'd welcome him in and say, good job, lads, for it staying 1-0 to us, to be honest. Um, you know, like you said, we were overrunning the midfield. Um, so I would address that. I would push the wide players a bit further forward, get them more in and around the central striker to get a bit more you know, second balls, because that's what we were lacking. And as a manager, I would focus certainly on second balls. And when we were, when you're in a situation like that, the key thing is to get players up and around your striker and get the second balls. And then you can play from there. Then you can play your football in their half rather than letting them come on to you, pressuring you into a mistake. And really, they should have scored a couple. So I would remind, I would remind them the score is 1-0 and that we're winning. But it's not comfortable and that the performance needs to improve, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the, the psycho psychological element there of obviously you are top of the league. You're playing all right and fairly consistently. So tactically, with that overrunning midfield, you're saying push up the, full, the wide players a bit more. Do you not think you'd lose your defensive stability, though, from that? Because then there'd be more space down that channel leaving your fullbacks one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, no, I don't think so, because the two wingers are very hard working. So as soon as the ball's lost, they get back in their position. But like when we have a goal kick or, you know, win the ball back on the opposite side, I want the opposite, or say we win it on the right-hand side, I want the left winger to get up to the striker. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're not, no adjustments to the shape or anything. Just keep at it, work on the principles. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I'd remind them, We've only conceded one goal this season. You are very good at defending. So don't feel like you're under pressure. Don't drop deeper. Stick to what you know. Mm -hmm. I'll bring David in here. What sort of things would you look to do as Paunovic here? Obviously, we've mentioned the situation they were in. They were very, very fortunate to be going in at one up at halftime. What sort of things did you spot that you'd go for? Uh, I think Alfie's picked one of the main ones up quite well. I think Puskas up top just looked so isolated. And the wide players, it was it was kind of him against Reading's defensive four and they were just passing around him as if he wasn't there. So what I'd probably do is, yeah, just push those wide players up a little bit further forward and try and get them closer to him. The line behind of, um, uh, let me just check my notes again, who was behind him. But the, the second line of, oh, who were we? 
Samedo. Uh, yeah, Samedo, Maite, and Ajaria. They were just so detached from the front man. So mm. it was just really easy for Rotherham to build up. So basically, that's if you if you want to sort of want to build more of a possession game and actually stop Rotherham from building through the thirds, that would be my first thought. Um, Laurent and Rinamota were quite deep. They were very, very close to um, Moore and Morrison. So I'd probably, I'd, maybe I'd stagger one of those as well. I don't know why they sort of had sort of six under the ball all the time. It was very defensive when you're thinking about them being at home. So squeeze up a little bit further up the pitch and try and try and prevent Rotherham from just, well, it was really playing them off the park. I, I feel so sorry for Warren because they were brilliant. They were perfect um, in all phases. So it's, it's really difficult. But Paunovic... Um, probably thanking his lucky stars. But again, we have to understand what he's trying to get out of the game. So defensively, I think he does want to be quite strong. And you have to admit, Reading did defend really well. Mm -hmm. Certainly, if you look at the stats, they limited Rotherham in that first half. I think it was two shots in the end. And two. neither are of particularly good quality no. in terms of things. See, I'm going to come in with an alternative view. I think if I was Paunovic, you look at that and think, right, we're on the back foot. But... Especially if you look at teams, if you are on the back foot, how can you flip that into attack? And I think with the pace Reading have in with me, Mate on the outright, you've got Ajari who's no slouch on the left. What I would do is sit in more and invite the pressure onto us because it opens Rotherham up. You know they tend to be more of a defensive setup and will tend to go more long. So like if instead of stepping the wings up, I would drop them in, wait for Rotherham to overcommit men and then try and break on them. Puskas is no slouch. He's a very good number nine and ten and can bridge that gap. I think if you, he steps up as the ball comes into him, you can then hit the ball out wide on the counter to your Ajarias, your Mates, Elise when he came into the game and counter on them more. I wouldn't change to be more expansive. I would go more conservative and then open yourself up as Rotherham commit. Because especially with a 1-0 lead, Rotherham are going to be chasing that game a lot more. They're going to want to try and get the point back. They're not going to... No team's going to want to lose 1-0 away from home. So I think what I would do as a coach in that situation is drop off, let's work on our low block, let's get them into wide areas, keep them away from the 18. But if there's an opportunity to go, get it into Puskas. Puskas can, on the half turn, then can he pick out wide? And then can we flood forward and open ourselves up? So little different tweaks that I think both of all of us have got different views on it. And obviously Panovic did something right after... They absolutely battered them in the end. And yeah, it's it's an interesting one. There's different ways that Reddin opened up. So we can touch on it a bit here. There's a bit of Paunovic's start. Obviously, I've seen a lot of stuff, and we seem to mention it weekly at the moment, of the analytics community is waiting for that bubble at Reading to burst. Alfie, why do you don't why do you not think that will happen? Ooh. It's an interesting one. The old new manager um momentum but i'm a believer that that stops at about game five and then it's what the manager does after that and it's what the team becomes and so i, I always looked at that game five as if we then perform after you know we're, we're not the best side you know it's not beautiful football it's it's built on solid defense and i think it's much easier for Paunovic to be able to coach the offensive side rather than the defensive side, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think, I, I'm, I mean, I've done my FA and I always, I'm a firm believer of um, believing that defence is key and with this solid foundation, 
I mean, before the Blackburn game, we conceded one goal in seven games, I think it was, or eight. It's, it's a great defensive record, and teams haven't really threatened us too much. So I think even if the attacking side does disappear and we don't score the few limited chances we get, I think we'll still pick up points purely because of the defensive solidarity. Mm -hmm. I'll bring you um, in, David, then to comment on this sort of thing. I know you're more of a stats man like myself. We, we're sat both here looking at it and just baffled by what they're achieving right now. <laughs> yeah, it is baffling. It is baffling. I don't, I don't know. I've got a different take, actually. You're probably going to be a bit surprised by this. But So the easy, the easy assessment, and not the easy assessment, actually, the probably correct assessment is this is going to regress and the, the amount of wins they're getting in relation to the, the amount of shots and goals is just going to drop away. It won't it won't level off that's that's what the that's what all the evidence will tell us but what do you think about this guys so think about how defensive reading were I, I think they were very defensive and i think at home i don't think you get away with that in a full stadium being that defensive yeah. so if panovic is we don't I, I'm, I don't know too much about him but from what i've seen i think there's a wants to build like a 4231 sort of very counter attacking like not really ball dominant shape that first half, I, they defended well, but I'm not sure if a full stadium, how that translates to the fans. With Rotherham coming there, a newly promoted team, who, let's be honest, Rotherham completely dominated Reading in every area, sort of counter-pressing uh, on the ball, playing out from the back, getting the ball into the box, everything Rotherham dominated. So what I'm going to put to you is how the reason why I think this actually might continue is because... <laughs> How easy is it to sort of stick to your guns and actually a tactical decision, sort of continue it without the aggro from fans? So if fans were there, I think he might have tweaked something there and he may have sort of changed his shape or he'd done something differently, maybe after 20 minutes or 15 minutes or done something to get back into the game to get them back on side. So if we're looking at this counter-attacking shape, soak up pressure, soak up pressure, and then get the ball forward to Zhao or Maita, who just are strong boys, they can hold off a defender or two and they are taking one or two shots. I, I just there's something about me that doesn't think it's as easy as this is going to drop away and they're going to regress here. That I've just got a little feeling that the fact that there's no no fans and the fact that they can play this sort of way, soak up pressure for longer, and there might be more opportunities for them to just use a Jaria's skill from the left, crossing a ball, then someone's not concentrating, and then you've got a quick tap in. I, I don't know. It's oh. one to watch for sure. Yeah, definitely. We've discussed this a lot before about Ruddin's fans and Bowen especially. It got very sour towards the end. If you think before that, Steve Steve Clark, see Paul Clements, the fans at Reading have tended to be an issue for them. I think we've discussed it as well at length about the better coaches this season will do well because there is no pressure. There is that no 12th man, if as you say. And I think we've seen it with Frank even um, last season with the tactics board. How often do you see a coach do that and actually tweak something in the game and show what he wants it's, it's unheard of so we did a lot i did it all on the bees analytica account we did a lot on paranovic over the summer and had a look at his style very very similar to bowen but he's winning bowen wasn't the dressing room was very much discontented with his methods but winning breeds this culture and patches a lot of cracks up and the longer he keeps winning and the more he keeps winning it just keeps rolling I think Alfie has specifically hit it as their biggest thing is their defensive side of the ball. They've had the least number of shots 
in the box. I think it's around the 70, 70. I think, or no, 33 of them, I think, were inside the box this season. And I think that's the second lowest or something in the league, which isn't a lot. And if you've got that foundation to build off, the attacking side can come. As long as you've got that f solidness to build off. And defend. they always talk about, like, the attacker that have to score goals and stuff. But the defence, if it's not good, it doesn't work. We've seen that with Brentford, haven't we, Dave? With our teams will score for fun, but... Goodness me, we cannot defend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It wasn't built on anything sustainable. It was just us sort of trying to outscore the opposition and it, it doesn't work. But yeah, I, I think we do have to address how solid Reading actually are. And if this is the way they're going to go, then the defensive side doesn't look lucky. Like Moore and Morrison were, were quality, getting their heads to stuff. It was a good shape. And Rinomoto and Lauren aren't galloping forward. So you've got a really solid base there. And he he's just trusting the skills of the forwards like sort of one-on-one -on -one or, and they have got talent. So it seems like a, I don't know, it's everything saying that this isn't going to continue, but maybe, maybe it just might for a bit longer. Yeah. You know what I love that you touched on Dave, the fact about fans not being in the ground. And I completely agree with you. That would not have worked if there were 14,000 fans in the Medeski stadium. I yeah. completely agree with you. And I think while there are no fans, potentially Reading will continue this because there will be no outside pressure. And, you know, hopefully when fans do get back in the ground, maybe they'll appreciate what he's trying and how successful it's been. And then maybe there won't be that pressure to change the formation or change the tactics. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I completely agree that this is also down to fans not being in the ground. I've, I've, I look at it with, yeah, there's a system there. And I've, we've, this is the third week in a row we'll bring it up, but... You can see there is a style of play that Reading want to play. There is a clear philosophy from Brownovich and the way they want to do it. At Chicago Fire, they had a very similar setup, 4-2-3-1. Defend well, press up in the middle third if we need to win the ball back, but we're happy and content to sit off. And I think the attacking side of the game's going to come. You look at the quality of the chances they're getting and the areas they're getting into to take these shots off. It's a drastic improvement from where they were under Bowen. And I think... Like you said, the attacking time will take time. You have to... The defensive side of the ball is easy to coach. You get yourself set, you can get into a block, you can shut space off fairly easily. But then how do you coach players to create space, create movements, animate it this way, that way? And that takes time with them, especially... It's only... How long has he been in charge now? Two, two three months? Yeah. I hardly think, any time at all. Exactly. It takes time and there's really solid foundations for an attacking team this season, for the attack... Other than when they beat Blackburn um, on Tuesday night, every goal they'd scored had been inside the box. And you and we I've spoken a lot about it on Bees Analytica about POM zones and Brentford and how we get into a certain area to score. Watkins was incredible at it. Malpite was incredible at it. Of the tram lines of the six yard area, that is the area we score within. And Reading this season, only two goals have come outside. Oh, sorry, only five goals have come outside of that zone. Mm. and a lot of shots are coming in this area and it's good the XG per shot if you look at it it's the second or third highest in the league yes they're not having the volume that you'd expect but you'd rather them be trying to build quality chances than just pot shotting yeah agreed agreed yeah something else I probably I just touched on it then about the um, the fans and how they're having an impact 
I reckon another way to think about because I like to think of sort of coaches' intentions and what what they're actually doing and what's their purpose. And we think if we look at Warren v. Paunovic, Paunovic's intention obviously is to defend. Warren's mm. intentions was to dominate the ball and create a team that actually progressed the ball really well and then try and win it back. I think both things worked really, really well in that match. And I think this is sort of um, endemic of sort of all lockdown football. I think all teams are basically what their intentions are doing are coming to the fore. It's just, it's kind of fine balances of who's doing it slightly better. So R- Rotherham could have, and the, the reason why I brought it up is because Rotherham beat Wednesday 3-0 the game after. So I know yeah. that uh, <laughs> Wednesday had a player sent off and they got massive injury problems. But Rotherham played really, really well and were on another day, they'd have probably got a couple of breaks and Reading may not have got to every touch. So what you had was a really good, strong defensive unit without the pressure of fans. So it's back closer to training session. You had Rotherham completely dominating the ball and sort of counter-pressing well and winning it back whenever they had to. Two two intentions really working to their max, coming up against each other. And it, it was just really good to see them. They both worked well. It was just who's the talent slightly came through of... Uh, of Reading in those big moments. Yeah, I think Rotherham been unfortunate this season with injury. They lost yeah. to Bonnet pretty early in the season to an ACL. I know they've had one or two more, is it, offensive players that have gone out injured. It was so... Alessandre injured as well. I don't know if he came on. I don't know if he came on late. Not sorry, Alessandre. Um, some, I've forgotten the other one of their forwards. But, honestly, uh, who got injured at the weekend? No, I know... Lepardo, Lepardo, he didn't start against Reading, did he? No, Lepardo. I don't, I don't he believe came on he late. Mm. You know, a strange yeah, no, one that's that, popped yeah. up at Rotherham is um, Josephine has turned up. He's playing for yeah, them. Yeah. It completely caught me off guard. I was like, I don't remember him being cut by Derby. Yeah, they. I, I think they've loaned him for a season. I think they've obviously said that you're not going to get any football here. Um, go and see if you can go. Yeah, and he was happy to go. But he was—he actually had quite a good game. He um, sort of held the ball up on that right wing, mm-hmm. got a few crosses in. Did a, yeah, he was. I mean, he's a good player. He's not. Um, I don't think he's sort of top six material, but you're thinking mid-table championship team. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, quite interesting. So we'll flip this then. Obviously, we've discussed it quite in detail there about Reading, and we've all given different solutions. Obviously, Alf, with you and Alf both agreeing of let's push up a little bit further, let's try and get the pressure off us. Whereas mine was tend to more invite it on us. So we'll flip this now to the Rotherham point of view. You're Paul Warner. You've gone in. You've had one shot against you. You conceded it. You're probably a bit pissed because it was a sloppy defensive error that allowed this goal. You've had a lot of the balls we've mentioned and they dominated possession for large parts of that game, but they didn't really penetrate or create much in that final third. What sort of things do you think we would tweak as a coach in that situation at half-time? I mean, they look so good and they should have really been ahead. I know they didn't create the chances, but they looked very good. So I w- if I was him, I'd be you know, saying, continue with what you're doing. Just make sure you get your shots off a bit quicker before you get closed down. Make sure there's the extra crisp pass in the final third. Do you know what I mean? Like, quick, speed it up a bit more. Create more of a problem for for the Red in defence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know what else other... This is where it's hard, like, putting ourselves in this coaching situation. And you've been near perfect. Yeah. But one cross to the back post is 
kind of found Mate. It was it was a great bit of skill. Actually, if you watch that goal, it's um, Ajari initially loses the ball and then he wins it back really really quickly for the cross for the first goal. It looks like Rotherham about to break, but he just nicks it back and then. I think he plays a quick pass and then a little a little bit of skill gets him away and then he puts in that cross, uh, cross to the back post. It's, so Rotherham nearly got away there. But it's so hard to... It's it's so hard. To, you have to be positive because your intentions, what you want to do, is has worked so well. So you've got to say, continue what you're doing. There's a goal in here for us if we continue. Um, I don't think anyone looked weak. I think every player they had sort of was looked strong and were doing their bits. They move the ball well. Uh, yeah, as, as you, I think you said it, Alf. Actually, it's if there's a tiny bit more quality on the ball, like does it need to go up? Does it need to be on the floor? Have you have you lifted it when you should have just kept it low? Just be really thoughtful about that final ball, and hopefully something will come. But when you come up against a quality defence, you just have to keep going, and uh, there's nothing you can do. But I don't know. I think the the only thing I would think about doing is just unsettling Rinomoto and Lawrence a little bit more. I don't mm-hmm. I think yeah. they got wide. They did get wide quite well, but um, Reading really shrunk into that sort of like, it's like a back sort of seven at times. You had the two in front of the six and they got really, really tight. And if there was any way they could pin someone further forward, I think it was maybe McDonald or someone just to just to disrupt Lawrence and um, Rinomoto a little bit more because they were just so square and sort of, they were just solid. It was, yeah, they weren't being penetrated. So just a little bit more through the middle, maybe just not so much focus on the wing attack, but I, I, that would be picking hairs. I think everything worked really well for them. They just, uh, what? inches from scoring. Unfortunate <laughs> and Reading being lucky by any chance. <laughs> I think for me, the way I would look at it as a coach is that, yes, we've dominated the ball, but like we've mentioned, there really wasn't much in terms of opportunities for them. There was couple of pot shots what i would try and do is very similar to you dave but a different little thing so i'd bring um mcdonald and was it ben wills i think it is i would push them up higher and then try and like in behind the front two so getting into the lines of that midfield and that defensive block because then they either have to push and go deeper and force themselves back further and then that sucks people in so then it creates you the space out wide for your Josephines, your Bonnets, your fullbacks to get out wide. So I would pack the middle up, force Reading to tighten up because they've been overloaded in there, like they were to you in the first half. Tighten up that middle space to then create the space out wide because once the ball goes wide again, Reading then have to transition really quickly to cover these things off and then you've got the bodies in the box. I think for me, sometimes they were just very static and one-dimensional Rotherham. All they were doing, it was knocking it left and right. And it was very easy just to shuffle across as a block, shuffle back, shuffle across. And they weren't really getting into them much. So my idea would be pack the middle up, get the bodies in, get ready and playing into them areas to then go wide and see if you can go down their, their channels then once they've been sucked into this midfield battle that they're trying to win. I think if you actually look at the maps and stuff where Rotherham was shooting from, it wasn't particularly pleasant. It wasn't particularly good because Reading shut them out and defensively would you sit, look at Rotherham this season then and see them as potential another threat to be yo- yo-yoing I know for the last two three seasons they've been down there pretty much regularly where do we see them finishing this this season oh dear it's a tough league I don't want to be hopefully the Rotherham fans listening in but it's, it's, I think it's going to be dis- difficult for them um, I think they're lucky that Wednesday are looking really weak and that 
that negative points total, which they were chewing through in the first few games, they've kind of stumbled in the last few weeks and the injuries look like they're mounting for them. So it could be two. They just need to beat two teams, really. I, I don't know. I, I'd be surprised if they did stay up. I really would. I don't think the keeper's particularly strong. Um, not sure. I don't think he's going to sort of help them. I don't think he's going to be sort of outperforming his um, XG conceded. I think he's going to cause a few problems for them. I don't like his kicking either, actually, as well. I'm not a big fan of that <laughs> kicking. So that could get caught out soon as well. But yeah, I, I think they're going to struggle with if they're if they're finishing outside that bottom three, they've had a brilliant season, I think, because they do look like one of the weaker three, four teams. Yeah, for me, they're kind of like at that level where Barnsley are. Of they're not quite Ooh, good enough for the championship. I, I, they're not quite good enough for the championship, but too good to be in League One. So they just kind of flirt around year on year. I know Barnsley are a slightly different one because of the way they play and a lot more open and cause themselves problems. But yeah, it's I, I just see for of them. I think the fortunate thing for them this year is there is pretty much two relegation spots. If Sheffield Wednesday can start to claw themselves out, I think, but Rotherham should just be enough. I think you look at the weaker teams down there, Wickham, unfortunately, just don't look good enough. I think Luton are another one that were very fortunate to escape last season. Although they've had a good start, they're just not quite there at championship quality. I think the bottom 12, there's a definite gap forming between the top end and the bottom end. I think with the quality and just the finances, because a lot of the issues will come because of COVID. And if it's not going right, the money will be spent in January and these big boys will throw their weight around and houses or a club like Rotherham keep up with that, who don't really have the financial backing. So I think for them, it's a case of can they claw right, get away as quick as possible? Can they create a bit of a buff for themselves and just see where it takes them? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because Rotherham did play really well against Redden and obviously they beat Sheffield Wednesday 3-0. So I think I think there's more hope for them. I think they've come up at a good time because as you say, there are, I mean, Sheffield Wednesday obviously started on the negative points, but there are four, I would probably say five or six, to be honest, very poor sides in the championship. And, you know, if they can get points on the board early, it's always easier with points on the board. So, you know, I can see them finishing in about 18th, 19th. I think there are, there's good principles there. And if they can continue the way they were playing against Reading, then, you know, there's hope for them. Yeah. I really like Paul Warner as a manager. And if, for whatever reason, Frank was to be sacked or moved on, he's definitely someone I'd like... Uh, Brentford to have a look at I know his style doesn't particularly fit us but as a coach and as a man he come, always comes across as very well spoken and has the respect to the players and that takes a lot of mental toughness to keep going up and down and not having that solid foundation but he seems to have done really well with what is, appears to be very limited resources at Rotherham for him mm. Yeah I agree uh, does seem like a really good guy um, I, I think another way to think of this as well, actually, is we don't know how bad teams like sort of Derby are going to be over long term. And QPR, we know that, that they just, yeah, QPR, we're not sure. They could be brilliant or they could be awful. So there's a couple of teams here that 
if they don't sort of buck up their ideas, Forrest are another team as well. We sort of everyone expects Chris Hutton to sort of perform wonders there, but we don't know how they're going to be over long term as well. So it's yeah, I I kind of think if you finish if they finish above the top three, they'll do very well. Bottom three, sorry, they'll do very well. But there's another couple of teams that do need to watch out and do need to gel probably quicker than they are doing so. Yeah. Definitely. So bringing on to the topic of obviously the new man has come into Barnsley now. Again, I'm just going to try and butcher it. Valentin and Ishmael? If, please correct me if my pronunciation is awful. Uh, I'll take it. It's, it's all right. <laughs> we did a little bit of a dig into him uh, during this week. What have we made? Obviously, they had an excellent start with putting QPR to the sword. But... It's like QPR's defensive. We know what Warburton's like as experienced as Brentford fans. <laughs> Let's win 4-3 instead of win 1-0. It, good fun to watch. Not quite defensively what you need. What do we make of Barnsley's new man? Have we had a time to have a look at him or any feelings about him? Um, Too early for me. Go on, you go, Af. Oh, I was going to say, I've had a look at his past and he doesn't seem like a manager that likes to stay around a club for too long so in terms of that as a Barnsley fan I'd be a little bit apprehensive but you know the way he has got his teams playing if he can continue with what Struber did there then results will come so yeah I, I'm I'm with Dave here I need a couple more weeks to see what truly happens mm-hmm. but he doesn't look like a long-term manager put it that way yeah, we are having a look at a bit of his past. There's been misdemeanors, shall we say, throughout his career. I think he was in Greece for literally a game. I know his spell at LSK um, was hampered. They were on course to win the league title until they lost 12 points because they breached COVID protocols. It's Nürburg, who was another one of his like jobs in the Bundesliga 2, was only there 17 games after getting the sack. The one big positive, I think, for him, though, is his experience in youth football at Hanover 2, Wolfsburg 2, who predominantly are very similar to under-23s, under-21 sides in this country. I think that will suit Barnsley down to the tee because of the young squad they have, because they're not the most experienced bunch. I think his experience in, I wouldn't call it men's football, but youth football, it's that in-between zone. I think that will work quite well into their favour. You touched on it there, Alf, with the style as well. It very much is, defensively, I think, is very similar to Struber. And the pressing game is what Barnsley have become renowned for. They were up there with Leeds last year in terms yeah. of the pressing game. It was incredibly good. I do have reservations about him offensively, though. I know Struber and Struber's Barnsley got caught out pretty frequently. China overplay sometimes. There was that one instance, I think it was against Luton, where they got picked off pretty comfortably in the end but attacking wise they look weak I've watching his previous teams especially last season in Austria very very much a pot shot team of if there's an opportunity they were averaging 14 shots a game but their xg was one of the worst in the league or xg per shot was one of the worst in the league which to me suggests it was very much of can we just shoot on site can we try and unsettle the goalkeeper which I don't think is as sustainable I think they'll struggle and that will get exploited in the championship. The quality's better, the goalkeeping you would think is better. And it's an interesting one, but I think, like Alf said, I think 
long term, I'm not entirely convinced. I'm not sure he'll last. Just looking at his past and his history. But if he can build on what Struber's done, there's, there's an opportunity there. Barnsley have got a good young core group of players. You look at Woodrow, who's yeah, he's not on the young side anymore, but 25 still. It's not particularly old when looking at the championship. Yeah. Your, your Chaplins, you know, your Schmitz who came in. There's, oh, It's a good team. And if they can string a few results together, again, like Rotherham, pull themselves clear of this little bot, bottom section, there's an opportunity here to stay up. Why, why the rest of the league is weaker? Mm. Yeah, I think Styles is a really good player for um, Barnsley too. Quite sure to just get to bow and causes lots of lots of chaos. And um, yeah, I think yeah, they're they're an okay team. I'd put them just slightly ahead of. I know you said earlier, Jake, um, about Rotherham. I think they're slightly ahead of Rotherham because of what they can do tactically. That they're uh, with just with their pressing system. If the new manager keeps any, and he's tried to, they're they're a little bit down on their pressing now. They're not quite at the top. I was just looking at Y Scouts PPDA. They're a sort of they are above average, but they're not one of these standouts yet. But that might change as the season goes on. They, they, um, I'd have more. I'd, I'd put if I was uh, if I was a betting man, <laughs> which I have been known to be. But I'd put more money on um, put money on them staying up than Rotherham definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree. Oh, it's a tough one. It's uh, it's going to be such an interesting season how it plays out. Of if Derby don't improve, if Forest don't start improving. Wickham keep going the way they're going. There is a very, very good chance for these quote-unquote smaller teams to drag themselves up and get out, which I think for someone like Barnsley, that another season in the Championship is another season where the money comes in from the TV deal, another year of the project, and they can keep building that club. Because there's a nice little core there. They remind me very much of Brentford, just in that alternative way they have it. They've got a different style, a different philosophy that they work with. I like them as a club. They have a good style of football. It's just a case now of can they keep that money coming in? Can they keep growing year on year? And relegation, unfortunately, sets that back. You, then you lose your best players again. You have to rebuild. You have to find another manager. So they're an interesting one to keep an eye on this season. Right, we'll move on to now the last topic. We'll have a nice bit of a chat through the weekend's fixtures coming up. We'll pick your brains, Dave, and see if you can fill in for James this weekend on the predictions. But opening, we've I know we've said it a lot, but let's go on to Reading now, who've got Coventry this weekend. So what are we thinking for this one? We'll open the floor with you, Dave. Uh, Reading Coventry, I think, I think we're going to see probably something similar to well Coventry will try and play the ball and they might I don't think they'll do as well as Rotherham did on in possession mm-hmm. I, I think Reading will just be too powerful for Coventry and I think I could see a I could see a 2-1 two, two I'm going to go 2-1 Reading Four Friday nights under lights what are you thinking Alf ah, see I'm hoping that the Blackburn game has developed more confidence in the attacking players and against Coventry, I feel like we can impose ourselves a bit more against them than we did against either Rotherham and Blackburn. And they're missing their best centre back, you could argue. So I'm I'm seeing a three nil Reading. I think three bolt for away from home. Jesus, I don't think I don't think that matters to be honest. Without fans, oh three nil. 
See, again, every bone in my body and the numbers I'm looking at and I'm thinking, Reading, they can't keep us going. There's going to be a freak result. Everyone's going to lose their mind because it's happened finally. I don't think Coventry's the one, though. They came up. They were one of the weaker of the three teams that came up. So I'm saying a 1-0 away win for Reading for this one. I think mm. the Paunovic train keeps rolling for another week. Choo-choo. <laughs> <sighs> uh, exactly. I've run it out of... Thi- Look, we've spoken about them so much on this podcast. I've run it out of things to describe them with. For a Brentford, for a Brentford podcast, we don't have to talk about Reading a bit. <laughs> So we move on to the next one. Bristol City, pretty decent start to the season, but started slowing down now. They're at home to Norwich on the Saturday. What are we feeling for this one? Yeah, I'm going a, a one all on this one, I think. I don't think Norwich are quite at their stride yet, and like you say, Bristol City is slowing down. So, yeah, I'll see a one all on that one. Yeah, what do you make of Dean Holden so far? Obviously, they've had that massive bounce as they come in. They have stagnated a little bit as of recent times. Again, though, we are only talking about eight games into a season. There's a lot to be read into it. What are we making of them so far, Dave? Uh, I don't like uh, Bristol at all. I've not been a fan of Bristol. For, I'm not I'm not impressed with their squad. I think they're one of these teams that are just perennially going to be championship size. Like lots of investment. Um, no one really stands out. People go on about Wells up front and Wyman. I know Wyman's just picked up a really big injury, but I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't like them. I think, basically, I'll, I'll say what I think. I think they're a team that play three at the back just for the sake of it. I don't think they play it because it's how they want to dominate the ball or get forward. They just want sort of a big defensive structure and then just hope the two, uh, two sort of two up front cause enough havoc. And Martin's, Martin has started well for them. I won't, that's probably being a bit harsh. He's caused a lot of chaos, but once that dries up, I don't really know what they're... I don't think they've got huge outlets to score. I don't think they're a well-structured team. I think a lot of Martin's got sort of knockdowns and second balls and stuff. And I don't know. I, as soon as they come up a good, against good opposition, which Norwich are, I think they'll you'll sort of see where they're really at. And yeah, I'm not a big fan of Bristol at all. But I'd go... Um, because seeing Norwich against Brentford, how well they control the ball and just those wide fullbacks getting so high, I'd be going... Norwich win, I think, 1-0 Norwich. Yeah, I think you touched on it on there a little bit. They've been incredibly unfortunate in the last week or so with injury. I think Alfie Mawson, formerly of Brentford, has done his ACL recently. I think Stephen Sessignon is another one that's now on the sidelines. And you mentioned it there, Vyman has also done his ACL. I'm with you. I just can't see beyond that starting core of players. What's there really much beyond it? Naki Wells... To me, he's, he's an okay striker. But again, once he's not got the service, is Wells and Martin really a top six strike force? For me, no. Martin's no, been, he's been good, don't get me wrong, but is it really top six quality? And then you move on into the midfield and stuff. I like Nagy. Um, I, he's a good, good player in my eyes. I quite like him. Controls the play quite well. But defensively, they haven't really got options. You've got Taylor Moore, Baker, Callas. Again, they're in the bare bones. And I think January will still be, if they're in there and about it, I wouldn't be surprised if they open up the checkbook and try and make a push. But for me, in this game, I agree with Dave. I think Norwich are just going to be too strong. They looked good against us the other day. Attacking-wise, they lack again, but you're always going to get that with someone like Pookie, who's not the most mobile. But Hugo 
although he's not scored yet, there's promising signs. So I'm going to yeah. go one nil away for Norwich. We now move on from one end of the table to another. We go from Bournemouth to Derby. Woofy made a Derby so far because for, just from the outside looking in, they have looked woeful. <laughs> yeah, if I'm being not... polite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's putting it lightly. They're just poor, aren't they? Just poor moving the ball forward. Um, Rooney's been up front for a bit. Just looks poor. I, I don't know. There's a few crosses he puts in that look okay, but I think it's more just aesthetically than actually being any sort of repeatable quality. Yeah, not very good at all. It's, you don't like to see managers under pressure and coaches, but Koku's... I thought it last season. I thought they were awful last season as well. I don't think this is a new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've all got the ideas around um, what they want to do, sort of progressing the youth players. There's a lot of a lot of their academy players that are sort of pushing through into the first team, which is... can't really moan about that. That's a positive thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think the first team are doing it. I don't think they're. I don't think they're. I think they're showing much in terms of yeah, just sort of second tier quality. And it's just been a drop off. I know Lampard sort of gets the Mickey taken out of him, but he had some really talented players and he did well. But I, I'm not seeing much quality in them at all. And uh, I don't. I think. I think they'll pull the plug on Cocky before this season finishes. Not that I think they should. I think they should just persevere and see what he can do. But. Yeah, individual talent gets them through. They're not really building much. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't back them against many teams. But knowing that, me saying that, they'll probably go and win 4 0 this weekend. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I back Bournemouth for sure. Bournemouth are a much more complete team. Um, I go 2 0 Bournemouth. 2 0 Bournemouth. You I'm, going agree with you. I'm going 2 0 Bournemouth as well. See, we're going to get a full set here. I totally agree on the topic of, um, who was it, Derby? They have struggled. It just looks so stale. And that whole, they're not really gelling and they're relying on a 32-year-old, 33-year-old Wayne Rooney to drive that midfield forward. It's not really what you want to be. The sort of legs on him, he just doesn't have them anymore. He's not going to dominate a game. And in a league like the Championship, where it's so intense physically, once that starts breaking apart, what else is there? You can't rely on the 19, the 20-year-olds to do much for you because they've not really had that level. I think Bournemouth are going slightly under the radar. I know they sit second currently, but we really haven't discussed them much. No one, they've not really been brought up at all. And they're a team that are just flying nicely under that radar and just keep putting results together. So I I think we're going to go for a full set here and I'm going to go also 2-0 Bournemouth. See, we, we touched on it a minute ago with Barnsley now. So they've got Watford at home on the Saturday. This this could be a good game. Watford have looked all right. But is oh, Barnsley with a new manager bounce going to keep pushing them on? For me, I think this will be a really tight game and I'm just going to go for a more of one-all for this one. I think Barnsley will keep be pushing hard to impress the new man. Watford have been okay. But defensively, they look a bit shaky. And up front, I don't think they've got enough as of yet to show they'll be a top two team this season. Uh, see, I disagree with you on that. I think Watford defensively have looked really good <laughs> from the games I've watched. And similar to Reading, that keeps you in games and it keeps you picking up points. And... I think it will be similar to the game that Barnsley had against us. Um, they will push on 
cause us problems, but I think Watford will win on the counter-attack. So I think it'll be 1-0 Watford. 1-0 Watford. One Watford. Oh, the thing for me, I think they've got one of the best goalkeepers in the division in, Ben Foster. Have any of you guys seen his YouTube channel? It's brilliant if you're a football fan. <laughs> I've heard about it, I've not seen it yet. Oh, it's brilliant. It's like the He's got like the GoPro and stuff in the goal with him, so you can see everything, and he's going around the training grounds and stuff, showing what they've been doing for a week's prep. For what it is, to be fair to him, I think it's a really little good thing. It's <laughs> just a good watch as a football fan. It makes, especially if I was a Watford fan, you'd feel so much more connected to the team instead of having to watch it at home on your own. Whereas at least with this now, you know what the players are doing. You can f- get involved a little bit. But definitely, honestly, recommend. This isn't a plug. This is just... <laughs> I'll make sure I send him a, a little mail and make sure he... That's the check-in. So where do you fall on the argument then, Dave? Is it with me or Watford not that good? Or Alf where actually no, they, they seem to be doing all right? Yeah, probably a bit in between, actually. I think defensively, I do agree with Alf. I think they're, well, they're quite a solid team, actually. I think they're going to keep games tight. You're not going to see many sort of 4-3s or sort of 3-2s, I wouldn't have thought, with Watford. I think it's going to be quite tight and they'll control as, as much as they can. Um, not a big fan of Cleverly. I think he's just, I mean, he's industrious, but he's just a wild player and just sort of shoots from anywhere. And I don't know, he's he's okay. Just another one that's had a really sort of fortunate career, but um, good enough defensively. And then they've got the sort of talent that can can punish opposition. It's Jao, isn't it? He's like, Jao Pedro just looks like, I mean, he looks like a 50 million pound player at times. You're like, what's he doing down here? But yeah, he he's the sort of player that, the solid team, that base of sort of like three, that five, three, two, or whatever they, whatever they flex into, that he could be really big difference. Just, I think it was a derby match where they were quite quiet. It was quite a tight game, and Watford looked like they were playing in third gear. And then all of a sudden, he just springs into life, and it's getting done, like sort of all oh, out yeah. of nothing. So I, I think we see something along those lines again, and I think probably a bit too strong for Barnsley. I'd go three-one uh, Watford. Three-one Watford. That's well, see, I think I think Barnsley going to surprise a few this year. I think especially that bounce, they can have a few. We now move on to our favourite team, though, Dave, and we're going to Brentford. We haven't touched on it yet, but on last Saturday it was against Stoke. Obviously, Frank reverted to the back five, which wasn't to the delight of many. What's your thoughts on that? Oh gosh, I my. Fan thoughts are, I absolutely hate it. I just can't stand it. I, I don't think we have the players for it. It doesn't suit our team. Um, we've had troubles with it before. Um, but from a tactical point of view and a more thoughtful, I understand it. And I do get why he did it before and why we might have done it again. But yeah, I, I'm not I'm not a fan of it in any phases. I think it's confusing defensively. I think having sort of three centre-backs who are traditionally centre-backs just get confused Um, it's not good for us building up we struggle to sort of play through the thirds get it into midfield because we lose a midfielder and there's sort of it just doesn't suit a lot of what we do from sort of b team level up to the first team but yeah i get that you sort of need to cover players and you need to get food into the team and maybe not trusting him to play in a pair i don't know I don't want to see it again from a fan point of view, but if I have to see it again, I'd wish we had a bit more practice and 
yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I won't go too much on. Are we talking about Brentford in, in length here, or just the score prediction? Well, now we'll go on. We might as well have a chat about Brentford while we're here. Yeah, let's do it then. Yeah, so I, I think that Stoke match, just everything in a microcosm that was wrong with it, we sort of saw that we kind of we're losing. We've lost a couple of the front players, so we were weaker up front. Midfield looked vacant. It was just Josta Silver and Janel just around trying to make combinations but there was nothing ahead of them no one could drop deep enough um henry tried to push up and be that wide forward but the difference is that he didn't have kind of josh the silver dropping behind him it was mads and he was struggling on the touchline couldn't get it out of his feet a couple of bad touches and it had to go back to pinnock pinnock shifting onto his right so the progression was awful and then Osgar got caught up the pitch and Stoke were sort of breaking on us. And they, I mean, they took a couple of good chances, but the same patterns were happening over and over again. I don't think we got into the into their half until about, into their sort of final third for a while. It took a long time and it just doesn't suit us in any aspect. I don't think it suits any of our players. It's not a system I like or, or kind of want to see again. And you saw a huge improvement against Norwich. Mm-hmm. Have Norwich come down and um, sort of control them. And Norwich are strong the Norwich are a strong team, so we had to ride our luck a little bit. But the the the, the organisation and the the team just looked much much better from front to back. Um, Canos might have had a little bit to do with that as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. again, he he's seems to be the pantomime villain at the moment. It's either him, Marcondes, one of them lot seems to just get absolutely slaughtered. Yeah, Un- I think unfairly the, in my view. Yeah, unfairly, I think there's more basis on. Canos getting serious scrutiny than Marcondes. Marcondes is um does a lot of quiet things very well and he had a bad game against Preston. But other than that, he's a quality player. Like he is actually good. Whereas Canos, I think there's a level now where you've sort of there's a consistent base to throw a bit of a stick at him and ask what his output is. But that's mm-hmm. just that's just my opinion. I think on the topic of the three of the back, I thought principally we were trying to remain the same way this is where i disagreed and over on the b stats account i disagreed in the build-up phase i thought we were trying to do a very similar thing i thought we had the center backs of good and pinnock split and go wide to the or to the edge of the six yard box i think mark uh madsbeck was playing as the fullback with dalsgaard on the right and then goddass was dropping as the third central midfielder with then henry pushing on as the forward i felt that the principles and the build-up phase were very, very similar to our basic setup in the 4-3-3. What I think was letting us down is Goddess's positioning was trying to play more as a 10. He wasn't mm. dropping in as a left-sided centre mid. He was more in that pocket of space. So then the shape becomes disjointed because, as you mentioned, trying to then build through two instead of a three becomes a lot more difficult because most teams, uh, Stoke, weren't matching us up in that middle. So we had, if Goddard's positioning was about 10 yards further back and in on the actual left side of that midfield, I think it would have looked a lot more f- fluid. The issue is, though, like, as you mentioned, the ball was then coming out to Madsbeck. He has one choice there, or two choices. He can either go back or he has to go up the line to Henry and lump it because that option wasn't there for him. And you can't yeah. drag the rest of the midfield across with him because that then leaves us overexposed on the right-hand side because we know Dowsgaard is yeah something else when it comes to the attacking side of the ball it, there's just no stopping him he's god isn't he most of the time <laughs> i agree with a lot of what you're saying i think principally it was they're trying to do the same things and that's why you saw how annoyed frank was in the interview afterwards he was talking about um 
he it sounded like he kind of threw the players under the bus because I reckon he they've said to them you positionally guys we're not doing too much similar here we want our three to build up within the first line X line we've got um, our midfielders forward line we're going to rotate inside it just didn't I think it just it, it asked a lot of them and it wasn't fair to expect those demands on those players in mm. those positions and that I think to say it's, yeah we can say it's the same because it principally it is the same but it's not the same because those players can't step into those positions and perform it in the same way and I think there's another thing as well that I saw you the tweet actually it was more about it's more about rotating into positions and having positions as your starting position so that back three was very fixed in what it was it wasn't it wasn't a four or five moving into a three it was just this is building up sorry I'm talking about it was just yeah. three spread across the pitch and it was it was obvious and Mads, it was just so obvious what Mads was going to do. He only had a couple of options. So you close him down. He can only do two things. Well, that's one player completely out of the game and the ball's not being progressed. If Henry's there, Henry has four options because he can he can cut inside or he can even go onto his right, weaker right foot with a quick burst of energy or he can scare someone to come too close. He can knock it past him and go. So the way that the way players are positioned moves however much your principles want to be the same if you can see what I mean. it's like where they actually are on the pitch and I think that's a key thing about why I think as well that it is very different and it's it's mm-hmm. not the same and that's the reason why it doesn't work for Brentford see when you look at the back three out of what good played in the back three last year Northampton was basically yeah. playing fullback for most of them last year in the way they played Pinnock before he came to us was a back three at Barnsley I know he's not obviously uh, done it for a year and a bit was in a back three Mads Beck, I know he wasn't the most experienced, but he's still... I think he played a back three last year as well. I'm and sure AFC. Yeah, he's been part of it. Was Who was it under? It wasn't Warburton. It was, I think it was when Smith went to a back three. Mads Beck came in on that left-hand side quite frequently. See, it's not like they were grossly inexperienced. Uh, Dalsgar plays in a back three, or as part of the back five for Denmark. Henry's obviously a lot more advanced in our typical system. I just don't see how it was much that different. Improved it a bit. I think if Good, if Good was, I know you'd only want Pinnock there, but what if Good played centre? Pinnock played on the left, and Dalsgaard was pulled back into the actual genuine back three, and then we had sort of wide fullbacks of different players. I think that was part of it as well. I I don't know if Good would have been. I don't know if you could trust him in the middle, but um, I don't know if I don't know if they had the players in the best possible positions. I wouldn't have let Dalsgaard be right wing back that day. I maybe had Canos there or someone else, or or mix yeah. it up a little bit. Move it back to where we were at the start of last season, where yeah. we had that back five in that right space a lot. Because he? he was ragged yeah. out there. If you look at Canos's number last season, I highlighted it in the season preview as the breakout player. His output was incredible. I know it was a small sample size, and it was very limited, but God, he looked good. He was in the upper seven. He was in the top thirty percent of players in pretty much every single category for a right winger, right fullback. And for me, that's why I highlighted him as a breakout. I know he had the ACL and was coming back, but I think he's got that time from deep. I think he's a lot more effective going forward than receiving it in the final third. He's got his biggest strengths for his physical qualities: his pace, his power. Giving it to him in the final third when he's trying to be. He's nowhere near as agile or as tricky as a Ben Rama or an Umbremo is. So maybe that would be the system then. I like that. Drop Dalsgaard in alongside Goud and Pinnock. Have Kamos come in from deep. 
But I just don't see Frank changing much. I think we'll, like we said at Norwich, we were good. We looked all right. We built quite a good few quality chances. Tony scoring again. I don't think necessarily we'll rip up the playbook and try again because we're not doing terribly so far. I know, we're doing okay. We keep our head above all. But I completely agree on Callis, by the way. Just his future is as a right wing back or a right back, just pressing the ball from deep. And what, like his defensive work rate is incredible. But yeah, I, I just think by now that Frank should have had a, a second system absolutely polished and nailed down. But I just don't think we're there yet. I, th- I think it either should be a 3 5 2 or a 3 4 3 that works. And it's just not there. And it should be there by now. It shouldn't be that we're still scratching around when you lose Pontus to an injury. There should be a secondary system that works well and and is kind of functional. And I think that's his limitations. He's got the first system, which he knows really well, and it works perfectly. But I just think they're so wedded to that. They need to have more flexibility. And then there needs to be moments in games where they were 1-0 up against Norwich. Instead of Canos coming on and coming on as a forward, why don't we switch systems and see the last half hour out at the yeah. low luck Mid block with the three five two or three four three or something like that, but we just don't seem to be there. I think the issue is that though you can't win. You either if he switches to a back five and we concede, his head's on a plate again. It's criticising why we've gone so negative. Why have we changed our system and style of play? I think the thing is, I totally agree is with Plan B needs to be something because we've lost some key players already. Jansen and Norgard, Baptiste is now out injured for a few weeks. I think I don't totally agree. We need that flexibility in in the way we play, because otherwise, team. It's been a year and a bit now of Frank, and teams are going to work. A hundred games, sorry, of Frank. Teams are going to work us out. Teams will yeah. know we have very set principles and styles of play, and that was a big issue towards the back end of last season. We were getting found out, and we were trying all these different animations, rotations, and with Ben Rama cutting inside or Watkins playing out wide, Ben Rama dropping in as the nine. But teams work it out. It wasn't difficult to know that we have our very set front three, we have a very set front middle three, and we have a very set back four. I totally agree with the point of there needs to be flexibility. We need to mix things up a bit. But I think it will come with time as well. You've brought in two big new players that have new components of this front three. It's going to take them time to blood in. And Buemo's a quality player at the age of 21. Godass, not seen much of him yet, but again, new league, new system. I think he'll take a bit of time to adjust, and you can't really say much else about Tony other than exceptional. He's been hit the ground running. His shooting locations are starting to develop. He's a bit wasteful sometimes for my liking of shooting in stupid places. I'd rather him play it out. But he's been incredible. I think there's... Time and to blood them all in, I think we'll be fine. I think the 4 3 3 is the set way in playing. It's about how we animate in that 4 3 3, which will come with time. I'm not quite of the camp of let's rip up the playbook just yet. I think we're okay. I think we're three or four points better off than we were last year anyway. Yeah. It's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I think coming into the season, I think we'll be okay. And we'll top six is the aim. Top two is is the dream. It is the dream. It is the dream. It's going to be a tough year. Um, so it's Luton, isn't it? We're away to. Yeah, we, we saw what happened last time. Cheers yeah. for that, Luton. That was the last, I think, last game before before <laughs> lockdown that we managed to get to. Took three and a bit hours to travel to, and then we get beat 2 1 in the space of 10 minutes. Uh, it's a horrible. 
wasn't it? Um, yeah. Nice ground, though. It's a nice place, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. I think Nathan Jones has done a good job with Luton so far. I think he's built on the foundations he set last year. Just don't think the team has enough quality, and I'm here going a 2-0 away win for Brentford. Uh, yep, I agree with an away win. I'm going to go 3-1. That would be nice, to be fair. Tony Hattrick, let him finally have one. <laughs> I agree with an away win as well, and I'm going to go 2-1. 2-1 away win. Yeah, there's certainly some revival in Luton. Just, I don't think enough quality in that team just yet. I think, again, like Barnsley, another year in the Championship, another year of money. Another big sale of an asset, potentially, and that propels the club up. But there's certainly ones to keep an eye on. We then move on into Neil, Neil Warnock's Middlesbrough, who will be hosting Nottingham Forest. They've been okay, but again, there's just not much sign of progress. For whatever reason, again, I keep going against Nottingham Forest because I just don't see much in them. They just look lacklustrous and poor. In all areas of the pitch, their build-up play, their offensive play, and defensively they've looked on shaky ground. And I think Warnock will for straight and just nick one from a set-piece. So I'm going 1-0 Warnock. Warnock, 1-0 Middlesbrough. If he scores, that'll be a bloody miracle, to be fair. Sorry, I do at the back post. (laughs) Um, Alf, what do you think? I'm still thinking about mine. Yeah, I was really hoping you were going to answer that. Um, I'm not sure. I'd, uh, I'll go down the middle of the road and I'll go for a one I think. one Yeah. That's where I was kind of edging. I think this has got draw all over it. Um, I'm going to go 2-2 draw. 2-2 draw. Jesus, a Warnock side scoring two. Bloody hell. Beast <laughs> <laughs> cost two. Pigs are flying. Bloody. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so efficient, isn't he? He's just, he just does it. And we've had, we'll have a larger discussion if you come on at some time. If Brentford were to write go, we're scrapping the philosophy, bugger it, we're going to bring a proven in manager to win us the league. He'd be top of that list. You'd bring him in, give him a couple of million quid, he can throw it at it, get you in the prem, and then build from there. <laughs> he's just one of them blokes that just yeah. seems to do it. I, I know he's not liked by all, but he's effective at what he does. It's, it's just, yeah. So we move on now onto our playoff final, semi-finalists. Swansea, who are facing Blackburn. Blackburn will be feeling a bit hard done by after their midweek defeat at Reading, where Armstrong has scored again and continues his fine form to the start of the season. How are we thinking for this one, Fallen? We'll start with Alf, if you've had time to think. Yeah, I, I, I really like Swansea. I do like Swansea. I like what they're doing and I like that they're bringing through youngsters. Um, I, I really I really like Morgan Gibbs-White on loan from Wolves. I really do like him. I think he's going to be a top player. He's also that... out for six yeah, weeks. Yeah, but... he's got a bad injury. <laughs> I know, I've... I think they're going to miss him. I really do. Oh, I... And I think because of that, I think Blackburn will win it. Two one, I think. Two yeah, one I... away from home. Oh, you're favouring the away sides this week. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, I mean, 
I like I really do like Swansea, but like you say, Blackburn will come off reeling. You know, it's not like they played poorly. Armstrong scored two goals. He's in great form. I think they'll win it two one. I I really like Armstrong. I did a graphic uh, earlier today, and bloody hell! Other than Marcus Foss and obviously Tony, Armstrong's up there as one of the most prolific strikers in the league this year. He's just looking really, really good, and he seems to have confidence full flowing in him. So I'm going to back Alfie on this one, but I'm going to go for a one nil away win. Ooh. Uh I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Swansea actually. I'm gonna mix it up a bit. I think Swansea will do this. Um I think they'll hold on to the ball quite well. Um Yeah, I'm gonna go Swansea. I've, I'm gonna go two one Swansea, home win. Home win. One player that's highlighted for me is Matt Grimes. I was looking oh. at him over the summer and thought if Norgard goes, he is the one I would love to replace him. I really, really rate him as a player. I think no, he's, he's a good player. He is good. He's very good. about well. He's a good screen and can play tidy on the ball as well, isn't he? Yeah, that was what I was going to say. Just neat. Nothing eccentric. Nothing of the Hollywood passes. Just good. <laughs> and I think you need that sometimes in a team. We go from one good team to one not so good team in QPR, who have Orpton <laughs> continues to just can, yeah. Brentford fans, Rangers fans, Forest fans will all say the same thing about him. Plan A doesn't work. What the hell is Plan B? <laughs> it's not make it work better because it's quite obviously not working for him right now. And they seem like a team in free fall. They're they are hosting Cardiff, and this yeah, I just can't see anything beyond a Cardiff win here. QPR have been abysmal this season, and if they're not careful, they are on a collision course to down the league. It's just not looking good right there. Have you seen Barbe's own goal from? Oh, God. Agent Barbe strikes. Got... <laughs> is that his third this year or is it two? I can't remember I'm how many thinking, Yeah, it's just not good, is it? <laughs> I've no, gone here. Um, but obviously he's now sent off. So, you know. Oh, no, that's Dickie. He was actually one of the competent ones. Yeah, yeah it was Dickie. I, I yeah. thought Dickie started well. He's looked all right. And then, yeah. Barbe's just it's comical at times it's watching QPR trying to defend it's not like they're being put in the best situation for it but god it just does not look good right now for them so I've gone Cardiff beating them comfortably 3-1 Oof. I just I, yeah they're just they've just were so poor against Barnsley it was unreal it's just I've not seen a team defend that bad in the championship in a long time yeah I mean, and Warburton's probably about to get sacked, but that's also <laughs> the players. Is, they they've thrown in the towels now. They want a new manager, so we'll see what happens with them. Big loss as well is Bright Samuel. It sounds like there's contract issues between him and the club, and he's like he's their best player, isn't he? By a sort of yeah. quite a distance, he's, their midfield is not very good at all. I, I know Amos is injured now, but I don't I don't think he's too good. Yeah. But yeah, the, I just don't think they're a very good team and they've just they've got not got very good players and you've got Warburton trying to put an attacking style in it. Just mm. yeah. It's not looking it's not a recipe for success there, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. I really liked Bright Samuel. He he came to me as like an Eze and a half, if that makes sense. He was just half so good as Eze. Obviously with him on the opposite <laughs> side. I think the big issue though is if they lose him, he's it was the brightest spot they had last season, other than obviously Eze, who's gone on to do much better and bigger things at Palace. 
But if they can't get him playing and arguing and contract stuff, they just look void. I, mm. Even as a Brentford fan, right? I had them at the season as dark horses, potentially if Warburton can get his shit together, to they could make, mount it because we know what he's like. If they get good and they start winning results, they'd be up there. But it just seems to be crumpling. I think he's won, I think it's like four games in about 20 Yeah, they're, they're, the games, like the goals and stuff they're conceding are poor. I don't think their underlying process is actually that bad this year. I think they're quite good in terms of sort of shots against. They're not actually doing too badly, but it's just huge individual areas and just, and just sort of how weak they are. I don't know if it's mentality, but I don't know. I'm I think losing Samuel's a big blow and they look very ordinary in a lot of areas. Yeah. Yeah, their XG conceded um is ten point one nine for the season, which puts them as the seventh worst in the championship and they've conceded ten. So they're about the level they're expecting right now and it's just not pretty. It's really not. <laughs> I I yeah, I've so we'll grab your predictions, boys, for the for this one. I know I've said a lot about them. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go a draw here. I'm going to go one-one. Okay, one-one draw. Yeah, I, I'm with Jake. I see Cardiff winning this comfortably. I think a two-nil, two-nil Cardiff get it done in the first half, and then it won't change from half-time. Yeah, they're they're an interesting one, Cardiff, aren't they? They've not really started the season particularly brightly, but. Neil Harris is just another one of just a good manager so it falls into that category with Rowett and stuff of just good direct football and I think he can turn it around there if they can string a few results together I think again there will be one of the top six challenges this season and I really like Kiefer more I really like him as a striker I think he is if I would want another striker other than Lucas Shaw, I would take Kiefer more I really like him yeah, good bit of class, that, isn't it, it? Yeah. It's incredible. Wigan was so good last year with him sort of central and out wide. Um, they were quality and it's, they've got him on the cheap, haven't they? They really got him. Yeah, well, there was a fire sale at Wigan, wasn't there? Just... Yeah. Right, we've spoken a bit about Paul Warner and Rotherham this year. That They face Rotherham, uh, they face Stoke, sorry, away from home. Stoke looked kind of rejuvenated after one of the unluckiest championship performances in history last year i just again like reading they were the opposite end of just mind-boggling don't understand how it happened we just roll with it what do we see in this one dave how are we seeing this one play out uh stoke rotherham i think we could see probably some of the issues brentford came up against when they found up against stoke just this is a, they're quite a good team in that mid block and then compress high as well so i i can see stoke soaking up pressure and just um, doing kind of what Reading did, but in a, in a sort of more abundant way. Like they'll probably just get more shots and mm. yeah, a bit more level sort of with the with the expected stuff as well. So yeah, I think Stoke win here. I, th I could see Stoke turning it around and two nil, two nil win to Stoke. Oh. Yeah, I think if there was one criticism I had of Rotherham, is they looked like there was a mistake in them at the back, and if you kept that low block and then all of a sudden pressed I think their centre-backs and full-backs to be fair um, you know didn't really know what to do so um, I see a 2-0 Stoke yeah I think 2-0 I, I, was, I was between 3 and 2 but I think I'll go 
To be fair, for me, yeah. Well, we're going in for expected goals instead. That would make the <laughs> predictions even more interesting. <laughs> oh, I don't. But we'll get Reading fans pelting us again because apparently XG's a myth. But anyway, <laughs> I, think, I think this one will be a lot more equal than we realise. I think Rotherham will be bouncing after a good 3-0 win and recovery. But I think Stoke have also, I think O'Neill's got something good. They're working hard. I think they look decent and solid. But for me, I think it'll be a one-all draw this weekend. I think they'll just counsel each other out and nice even game. We've now gone, we've mentioned um, Neil Harris and now his predecessor, Gary Rowett, is got, taking Millwall at home to Huddersfield, who has really started to pick up some results now after the early season setbacks. Against us, uh, where they lost 3-0, they really they didn't look really at it at all. But he seems to have turned it around there and the process starts seeming... Yes, sorry. It's starting to come together slightly for them. Where do we see this result going? Ooh, this is a tough one to call here, you know. This is this is two quite good teams. When we played Huddersfield, they were... Yeah, you could tell there was... it was the, the whole thing had been ripped up and they looked... They looked like a baby version of us or... Like a little fake leads, just trying to trying to do their thing, but you could there was you could see a couple of glimpses of it. But the game since Huddersfield, I think they look one of the most transformed teams in the division. Like they they look good now. They can spread the ball from the back to the front, like from playing out. If you don't close them down, if you don't compete, they're going to go through you. They create much better chances. And Corbran has, I mean, if you think about timescales, what he's done in sort of a month. Give him three or four months, and there's no reason to say this team can't actually get like to the top end of the table. So, yeah, really impressive. Um, Millwall as well, they're just a hard team. Every game you play against Millwall is just going to be hard at back three. And then Woods and Leonard's just sat in front. Yeah, yeah it's tough games. You're not going to get many big scores in Millwall games. Um, I don't know if Huddersfield come a turn up. This is a really hard one to call, and I think my default here is to go draw, but just have a feeling that Huddersfield are going to surprise me a little bit and just be a bit cleverer or cuter on the ball than uh, than they're expecting. Even probably Brentford than when we played them. So yeah, I'm going to go Huddersfield win here. I'm going to go 2-1 Huddersfield. 2-1. See, I was going to go the opposite here. Oh no, I totally agree with you on the point. I think it will be two good teams, but I think they'll just nullify each other. So I was going to go for a ball, 0-0. But I think they're both teams... Huddersfield definitely looked like a work in progress. I think in a not this year, I think it'll be too soon. But I think once they freshen up the squad a little bit, maybe the season after, I think there'll be certainly something there to compete with. They've got a good core of players so far, but they do need to clear out some of the Premier League wages that are still floating around. But if they keep going in the vein they're doing, I think they look okay. There's certainly a process to be built upon there. Yeah, I think they're two good sides. And I think they, uh, Huddersfield have impressed me earlier on in the season, earlier on in, in the two podcasts. Actually, I wasn't, I was, not the kindest towards Huddersfield. I didn't rate, <laughs> but um, yeah, it grows on you, doesn't it? <laughs> it really have grown on me. And like you say, given another two or three months, there's no reason that they can't be pushing up the table. So, but again, Millwall with that three, five, five at the back, and then the two in front. I think they'll nullify them. And I think it'll be a boring nil-niller. I've mean, seen a lot of praise from Ryan Woods recently from Millwall fans. It's good yeah. to see him finally coming back to confidence. 
he was always just a live wire at Brentford. No, no, no disrespect to him. I don't think he's at Norgard's level. I don't think we'd be as successful with him now. But for what we needed at the time, a busy holding midfielder who just would dominate games at times, I think he was an incredibly good player for that. We now move on oh, to the basement, boys, don't we? With Wickham versus Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, who set their target of getting onto positive points by the end of the last week, still on minus four, funnily enough, after Gary Monk appears to be losing the plot there and Sheffield Wednesday fans are calling for his head. There was a mad conspiracy theory going around that he'd already been sacked because the owner unfollowed him on Instagram. And oh, it's just nuts. And a lot of our, uh, Wednesday fans, sorry, seem fed up with him now. I think it's not too long before he goes. But do we think before he goes, he'll pick up the points against Wickham? Well, this is an odd one. I like Wickham. I want Wickham to do well, but you know they're not. They don't have the quality in their squad. I want to them to do well, but they're just shit. <laughs> they're <Yeah. stuck. laughs> That's it. I want them to do well, but they're not good enough. Yeah, it's like when your kid's not very good at sports day and you applaud them because they finished last, but they're not going to do much else other than finish last. And they can keep huffing and puffing. I just There's just not enough in them, unfortunately, this season. And I think, for me, I just... Oh, apologies, yeah. There's just not... They're, they're huffing and puffing and they're trying their best and you just all go, oh, it's really good for what they've achieved. But they're not going to achieve anything this year, unfortunately, in my eyes. And I think Wednesday will just be too strong for them in the end. But I think it'll be a tight game and I think Wednesday might just pip this one, 1-0. One See, I'm going to go the opposite of you on that. Oh, controversial. Unrest that's been going on at Sheffield Wednesday. I see Wickham nicking a goal, holding at arm's length, you know. And, um, yeah, Monk to be sacked. Because of all the unrest and all the rumours going on, I think, as a player, if you're reading that, you're thinking, well, you know, I want the new manager now. Do you know what I mean? And if it's true and he has lost the dressing room and lost the plot, Wickham is not the ideal game for this. Because Wickham are very together. They know what they're doing. They might not be the best side. Well, they're not the best side. But they've got heart and they've got spirit. Yeah. And I think what you saw it as well against us. I mean, they deserved more. They deserved more than what they got. Mm-hmm. They were a good team. And yeah, so I see them nicking it 1-0 from Sheffield Wednesday. Well, Sheffield Wednesday are on this downer. You, see, you could flip it both ways. If you look at the goal, Wickham hadn't had them goals rolled out. They'd be on six points right now. On oh, no, four points. And would be out the drop and pre- and you'd think, oh, fair play, they've done pretty well. It's just, I think, you keep losing and in, and you keep not winning games or keep getting the rubber green against you. And it, it doesn't matter how much team spirit, that will break the team eventually. And I don't yeah. think they'll be up there to keep pushing. I think it's been a long, long, long season for them. But at the end of the day, they didn't expect to be here. It was a complete miracle they got here in the first place. They weren't even in the playoff pitches four months ago. So I think they'll take each game at the time and just see what happens. Yeah, I kind of agree with everything you guys have said, pretty much. Um, Wickham are just, I think to get out of 
leagues and get promoted, you do have to have a lot about you. You can't just get up. Like, it doesn't just happen. You've got to be consistent for a load of games. And they are together. They've kept a good core. The problem is just, you said it, Alf, it's just their quality, like individual quality is just not there for this level. And you can see it. The, yeah. the system's kind of there, but individual moments are just going to get out of strength. And the fact that they've got Akin Fenwa as like their sort of 12th sub and 30, like he's coming onto games that just makes them even more sort of one-dimensional and it's not really good enough. But I was just looking at their expected points. So they should be on six points with their performances. So they're not actually doing that badly um, expected-wise, which is quite good. Um, but yeah, Sheffield Wednesday, they've come up... I mean, this is... Talk about relegation, six pointers. <laughs> this is crazy here. Uh, I think... Wednesday are in big trouble. Like Monk always implodes, doesn't he? It doesn't take. It's taken a bit longer than usual, but he he did some crazy things last year about bumming a few players out, and just you never saw them. The keeper defenders, they just weren't in his plans. Things look like they're unraveling now, and I think he's just got so many injuries in that team. Mm. Um, I think he's going to be trying to play soon himself. They're struggling so much. Uh, I, I Him don't and Warlock think... up front, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a stroke for us. Yeah, equality. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think they're going to do. I don't think they're going to be too much here because Wickham will have that togetherness and they'll have a better shape and they'll have closer to their first team than Sheffield Wednesday, and that'll be a bit of a leveler. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Wickham here. I'm going to go one nil Wickham win, and that could be the end of Monk. Let's see. I was looking through the numbers and stuff, and in terms of strikers, Akinfem was one of the got the highest xG per ninety, but hasn't <laughs> scored yet. And it was boggling. Really? He's in the likes with Hugo, Woodrow, um, and then him. And I was like, what the hell's he doing there out of all the strikers? Yeah, I think there's a bit of, like, he's not, he's coming on, isn't he? And I think he's not starting games. And then when he is, he stays quite central. It's not like he's mm -hmm. running the channels. He does, so when he does shoot, you are going to get good locations from him. It's just how much you lose. It's almost like playing with 10 men out of the possession when he's on the pitch. And yeah, it mm -hmm. becomes difficult. But yeah, he's he's working hard, but I just don't think he's quite good enough to, to sort of be coming on in these games. I, I likened him to a Rory de Lap throwing. How do you prepare for this? Like, the man is an absolute unit. He's not pacey, he's not going to get behind. He's not tall, so he's not going to beat you in the air. He's just going to hold you, and he's going to block you off and make your life miserable. So how, as a team, do you defend for that on a for a weekend? Like, Gareth Southgate had that thing where they had to prepare for de Lap by taking throwings from the edge of the 18-yard area. <laughs> because no one could replicate the length and the pace and the height he could get. So I think Akin Fenwar just falls into that category of what do you do? You can't get your centre-back to come play a striker because he's too tall. You can't get your striker who's used to running behind come because he's not big enough. So where do you draw the line? Do you just get the rugby pads out and just keep smacking them? Because that's all he's going to do for 90 minutes. He's back into you, hold the ball up. Yeah, true. Effective is what I'd call it. He knows his role, he knows his job and He's played 600 odd career games out of it, so he knows what he's doing with it. <laughs> and to play that many games, you've got to be successful to a degree. So, oh, yeah, he's no slouch, and everyone in that Wickham team would beat any single team, or any if we had a Sunday League team, we'd beat them by an absolute mile. They're no yeah. slouches. It's just when you come up that massive step up from League One to Championship, when they weren't really at the races in the Championship, or in League One, sorry, to then take another step up. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a leap. There's levels to this sort of stuff. And just unfortunately for them, just I don't think they're at it. 
But if they get a lucky break like Luton did last year, where they string one or two together and suddenly they're out of it and you're looking behind you thinking, oh, shit, we've escaped. You know? <laughs> Stranger things that happened. Luton were terrible last year. But they beat Brentford. They beat one or two here. They then go on a little run. Nathan Jonesson comes in. The feel-good factor's back. The psyche's changed completely. Who knows? But we'll have to see. We'll... And we're going to move on to our last prediction before we keep fantasising about Akin Fenwell. We'll move on to our last section with Pete, uh, Preston North End, sorry, are hosting Birmingham at home. Cranker, decent start, but again, that, that's just slowed down the attack. The lack of attack is starting to catch up with them. Who knew playing big man, little man in 2020 wasn't going to be as effective with Djokovic and Hogan? Where do we see this one going, boys? Oh, yeah, I'll go first on this one. This is Birmingham are a bit of a hard team to read. They're, they've got that back three system with Dean and Roberts and Collan and Friend. And yeah, I, I don't know. They're, they're not quite as bad as they're okay defensively. I just think they are missing a little bit. Like Hogan just is he's just running around on his own and not getting the service. And yeah, I, I, there's there's something there, but I'm just not quite sure it's going to come quick enough and they're probably just going to keep losing points. But they, they beat Huddersfield last time out, didn't they? I just saw that, actually. I forgot about that. Which is a good, yeah, it's a good victory there. Um, yeah, this is a this is a tough one to call. Preston are a good team, but you don't you don't know what you're going to get with Preston. Like One day they can be can be look like sort of one of the best sides in the country and another day they can be really stodgy and not really deliver anything so away from home here Birmingham at home I'm going to go Birmingham win I think this is a time when they turn it on I'm going to go 2-0 Birmingham 2-0 Birmingham I'm going to go 0-0 I don't see Birmingham I, I like mm, like you say there's things there there's processes there and you know, give a month or two, Birmingham could start creating more and scoring more. But against the Preston side, the pretty average, I think it'll be a nil-niller. Nil-nil. I mean, I would normally agree with you for the process, like the way I speak about Pelnovic, but Kranka is a defensive, brilliantly coach, but is the one thing that every single team he's lacked at is the attacking quality. And he doesn't have a particularly successful attacking system. And a lot of it is built on the defensive stability. And the longer they're not scoring, the longer they, he doesn't solve these issues. I think that you just create issues for yourself. And not enough to get relegated. I think they're solid enough. But I think they'll just be a mid-table team. That's probably what they need after the last couple of years. Where they've been either flirting with relegation, on the verge of being relegated until the 90th minute. And all the financial problems that have come with it. Preston on the other hand again just another nearly team there's so many in the championship of just a bit more and they would get there so I think Preston addressed their biggest issues in the summer with the lack of a, a striker I think is it the Norwegian fella came in or is he Dane I can't remember his name it's, it's Hog Hog who came in um, oh yeah I can't remember it either look, again I could say anything to be fair in this pronunciation they're just terrible so it covers me on all bases <laughs> is um, it Rice? Reese? Um, yeah he came in from I will. it was Reese. there you go you are right he's Danish we should have known that with the Brentford link at some point 
I think he came in and addressing a bit of the number nine issues they had. Yeah. Because David Nugent trying to leave lead the front line, probably again not the most effective strategy. Scott Sinclair and Sean McGuire either side of him. I don't know. They they look like a pretty solid side. And for me, I think they probably have a bit too much quality for Birmingham this week. And I'm going for a one nil win. But that is our predictions for week nine. If just to keep everyone up to date. In the lead is currently myself, no comments needed on that one, with 22 points. <laughs> Alfie closely following behind in second on 15, and James Dash Dave now are on 12. Um, keep you updated throughout the year on how these go in. Again, I'm just trying to build that buffer out. We're going to go for Wickham esque, build the buffer, and then we can fall apart towards the back end and enjoy it. Right. The only way is up for me and James. Exactly. <laughs> It can't get much worse, so you're all right. <laughs> right, thank you everyone, and Dave especially for coming in and filling in this week. Hopefully we'll grab a few you on a few more times throughout the year and whatnot and get a few more guests involved. But thank you very much everyone for listening. Please do like, subscribe on the YouTube channels and Spotify. It massively helps the account out. Thanks very much. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Loved it. See ya.